Hey everybody and welcome to another episode of All Queued Up. We review podcasts tied to streaming services like, what do I have written here? Netflix, HBO Max, Disney Plus, you know, you know how that works. I'm your host Greg Dietz and with me always is Maya Don Fisher. How's your week been? Um, I'm glad it's over. Fair enough. Uh, people that know me know, uh, most of them know, like the last week of the year hitting into the first week of the year is the yeah. roughest week of the year for me emotionally for reasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's over, thankfully. And, you know, I mean, aside from the emotional stuff that I had to process and go through, um, the week itself was, was good. You know, I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's uneventful. It's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say same like yeah, I just I did a lot of work and then uh tried to help my mom out because uh she was going through some emotional shit too this week. Yeah. As I was, you know, I'd, I'd let you know about. Um but uh last little bit of like sad news, I guess, before uh we move on to Happier stuff. I want to give a a nod. I don't know how else to put it to Betty White, who uh, very suddenly passed away on December thirty first. Um, did some like real queen shit and just peace the fuck out. Uh, right before twenty twenty two. Um, she knew. She knew. Yeah. There's a shy of her hundredth birthday, and and there's a there's a challenge going on that. I'm going to partake in, I would suggest, or at least recommend everyone else who listens to this podcast partake in, um, and that's donate at minimum $5 to your local animal shelter um, in the name of Betty White. Uh, She was a big animal advocate, uh, as most kind-hearted people are. and she donated a lot of money to animal shelters. So that would be the best way to handle that. But to a hilarious lady who is the only person on the planet who can make it to 100 and everybody be sad. There's you, Betty White. She was awesome. She was very funny. Oh, yeah. So, um, all right, so no more sad. She wouldn't want us to be sad, so let's move on. Um, oh, God, no. She would want us to make jokes about it. Oh, yeah. There was, yeah, 100%. Uh, and there were some solid ones I saw. Oh, yeah. There were some great ones. Um, but, yeah, yeah, so it was, it's, been a, it's been a week. <laughs> I binge-watched all of Cobra Kai. That was wonderful. Nice. I watched Encanto twice. Awesome. Um, I'm sure that you do recommend Cobra Kai. I heard the season the season was as good as others, but I I don't you know I don't like the show. So it, it, it depends on it depends on what your preferences are. I mean, it was still a very good season. Um, I would. There were some new things introduced. Uh, there was progression. You know, overall, as a vehicle, it works. So, if I had right. to give the season a grade, I would give it a B plus. 
Okay. Still really fucking solid. Yeah. I mean, one of the big things that, like, and we talked about this on this podcast before, that I think a lot of people don't really put into context when it comes to why I don't enjoy the show. It's a lot of people, most people that watch the show, um, have a, they don't, they don't view the Karate Kid like I do. Yeah. Like, I see it as this very silly 80s movie that shouldn't be taken seriously. And a lot of people see it completely different. Yeah. They see it as a story of, like, of Daniel overcoming bullies and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, yeah, I kind of get it. What? Daniel Daniel was the bully. Stop it. Stop it. The original. He was. the, The original movie, he was not the bully. That's not that was not how that like this is this is the point I get at like it's a fucking silly movie and Cobra Kai takes this this silly movie and makes it serious and I just cannot I cannot get with it. Well, it does poke fun at itself at times. It I does. Mean, there was there was I mean, there was actually a there was a scene, uh, you know, uh, Daniel's talking like he's trying to get Cobra Kai banned from the tournament. And he's like, this guy bullied me in, in high school. From what I heard, you were the bully. Uh, you know, shit like that. Little end jokes. I get that. I mean, yeah. don't me wrong. Like, one of the things I said about Cobra Kai Season 2 was that it did a good job at just making a coherent story. Mm-hmm. But again, like, there's just, I don't know. I like my shit to be silly. I like my shit to be a little bit more less taken seriously. And the show does not take itself less seriously. It's as simple as it gets. So that wasn't for me. Um, Which is weird because I, I feel like I'm the only person who doesn't enjoy the show. I think you're the only person that I've talked to that's watched it that didn't enjoy it. Yeah. And I've come to absolute terms that I am. In the minority. In very much in the minority. But anyway, uh yeah, so before we move on to the stuff, I wanted to mention that I, you know, like I said, I watched Encanto twice. I highly recommend it. Uh Lynn Manuel Miranda, you know, who wrote Hamilton and um uh Moana. Did you say Hamilton? I might have said it that way. I was trying to think I was trying to remember how to like remember the name of it for a minute there. He did Hamilton. Um and uh Moana and In the Heights. Also, if you've had a chance to watch Tick, Tick, Boom on Netflix, which I do plan on watching, or Vivo on Netflix, um, he did the music for all that stuff too. But he did the music for Encanto, and like, the dude is unbelievably fucking talented. Like, every time he writes a musical, like, the fucking musical numbers are absolutely solid. Absolutely fucking solid every time. I don't know how the dude does that with music, but he he fucking nails it every time. But the other thing I want to point out about Encanto is it's not a story about like it's not a traditional Disney story, you know. Um, it uh, it kind of tells a different message. Basically, like the way I'm going to put it without spoiling it is generational issues so you know how i've complained in the past that older people tend to not understand the plight of the younger people 
Oh yeah. And then they put their own one of your one there. of your most hated things uh, is when somebody starts a sentence back in my day. This movie basically fixes that, or at least tries to. So, back in my day, movies didn't do that. The look, the look. <laughs> You're trying hard not to laugh. I'm trying hard not to laugh because I, I fucking hate that phrase so much. Like, if you start a sentence with that, it's usually because some, the person who says it wants to bitch, right? They yeah. want to complain about something like, back in my day, milk didn't cost two twenty five or some shit like that. It's like, yeah, you can say that. But what's the fucking point? If you're just making a, an observation about uh, capitalism and inflation, great. You you just made it like, but why did you start it with back in my day? Um, also, if you're in your 30s, stop fucking saying it. You're not that old. It was like 10 years ago, motherfucker. Like back in my day. What? Back in your day, the cell phones were smaller. Fuck off. Ugh, just and then and then the other one is if you start it with um, kids these days, kids yeah. these days what? Kids these days are the exact same as they were back in your day. Shut up. The kids haven't changed. Adults haven't changed. Every generation does the same shit where they hate the last generation, or the gen the, the last couple generations or some shit like that. And then the older people hate the new generation. And it's the same fucking spiral of bullshit that we go through every fucking every time people decide to fucking have kids. Look what you did, Maya. You got me on this fucking tirade. Oh, I thought you were going to go. Look what you did. You had kids. <laughs> you don't. See, that's. The I'm thing. part of the problem. There are having kids isn't the problem. The problem is is that having kids and then acting like your kids should act like your generation. That's the problem. You don't do that. You let Madison grow up and be the person that she wants to be and enjoy the shit she wants to enjoy, without complaining about it. You just yeah. teach her to be a good person and to appreciate the world that's around her and not take it so fucking seriously, which you've done a stellar job at that. That sounded a lot more sarcastic than I meant it to be. You've done a stellar job at that. Um, there are so many parents. I liked who... it better when you delivered it with the sarcasm. <laughs> uh, like, I don't want to be the type of person who doesn't have kids and tell someone how to raise their kids. But I will be the type of person to not have kids and tell you who a guy who's worked with kids, please shut the fuck up about understanding children. You don't understand children. You pretend to understand children. And then you complain when that, when those children don't do exactly what you deem is correct. That's what happens here. You go, Oh, back in my day, we didn't have cell phones. And so we just couldn't connect to anyone that we wanted. Well, back in your day, you lived in the fucking caveman days and you didn't have cell phones. Now our lives are a little bit better because we have cell phones. Do you want to keep this fucking road? Because I can always play the other card to whatever you're going to fucking bitch about. My family does the same shit. My parents not as much because I've gotten it in their heads why it's fucking dumb. But my brothers do it now. And I, I fight it every fucking time. Every time. Because it's so stupid. Like I, you were a teenager and you looked up at, or you looked at the generation above you and you went, man, they don't understand. Right. Then you got older 
And you started doing that exact same thing to the younger generation. Then they look at you and they go, man, they don't understand. Do you see the cycle? Now, if you take a step back and fuck your own face, you'll understand that if you want to understand the generation below you, remember what it was like to be that age again. Just take a fucking second and be like, being a teenager is hard. Your hormones are going fucking wild. Your mood fluctuates drastically for whatever reason. And yeah, you don't really understand certain things in the world. And you're going to say and do stupid things. You just are. You're easily influenced. And you're going to do that. So how about give teenagers a fucking break when it comes to the stuff they say and stop putting your grown adult mind in a context to that? It's like looking at a fucking cat and being like, why aren't you more like a dog? That's what you're doing. It's fucking stupid. I'm done. I'm sorry. I'm done. No, no. Oh, I mean, I think it's a good segue because it brings up a point which I thought was uh, amusing in the movie that we're going to talk about. Don't look up. Yes. There's, I'm not sure what you mean by that, but I'm definitely... Well, there's a character played by Ron Perlman. Yes, okay. Who is very curmudgeonly uh, a son of a bitch and is just offensive to everything and everybody around him. And then there is an, another character in the movie, a general, who's probably even older than Ron Perlman's character. And he's like, he's, he's of a different generation. You know, <laughs> yeah. that kind of thing. Uh, right, so like, right. You're the same fucking generation, ass hat. <laughs> yeah, that yeah that yeah no, I understand what you're talking about. Um, well, for context for everybody listening, um, we're going to talk about two things today: the movie on Netflix, "Don't Look Up," starring uh, Leonardo DiCaprio and Jennifer Lawrence. Lawrence, almost forgot her name. Um, and then we're going to talk about Chapter Two of the Book of Boba Fett. Um, that's it. That's all we have this week. So why don't we go ahead and dive into "Don't Look Up" because holy shit. Uh, this, uh, the, the, the synopsis for the movie is, um, written by Adam McKay, by the way, written and directed by Adam McKay, uh, and produced and produced. Um, I'm going to be terrible about names. I remember Dibioski, but that's about it. Uh, Kate, I think your name was yeah. anyway, uh, Leonardo yeah. DiCaprio's character and, and, uh, Jennifer Lawrence's character are astrophysicists. Or astro astronomers, astro, astronomers. Thank you. Um, and uh, uh, Jennifer Lawrence's character basically discovers a uh, comet. Now there are certain si- there's there's a certain math that you can do to basically predict with 100% accuracy the trajectory of a celestial body. In this case, they track that the fucking comet is going to hit Earth in six and a half months. So the remainder of the movie is them trying to warn the world that this, that the earth is going to end in six and a half months and we have to do something now. Um, Ineptitude, politics, capitalism, it all gets in the way. All of it gets in the way. I I really felt like I was watching a documentary Mm -hmm. about America. I, Uh, I, I, I mentioned this. I mentioned this to Andy, my buddy, um, that watching the movie, 
right? My thought process was, oh, this is a commentary on how we've handled the pandemic, right? Nope. It's a commentary on how we've handled climate change. Specifically climate change. It was very specifically climate change. The problem is, is that it's interchangeable regardless. And even Adam McKay has, has addressed this. He's like, yeah, I made it in lieu of climate change and how we've been, how we've addressed it as a society. But if there's something that scientists are warning us about, this is commonplace, which is unfortunate. Oh, absolutely. And and you see it, you know, mirrored in society, like uh, De, uh, DiCaprio, his his character, Randall Mindy. He's arguing on what they used as Twitter. I uh, can't remember what they called it, but he's arguing with somebody who's calling him an idiot because, you know, he's trying to warn them about this comment. He's like, this guy's calling me an idiot, and he probably, you know, w- you know, whatever minimum wage job that he has, you know, no, no, the guy doesn't have a degree or anything. That's what we see. We see fucking high school dropouts who fucking couldn't pass a science test unless they copied off the smart person in class. Fucking trying to say, oh, I'm aware. I know what's going on. I'm not going to be a sheep. I'm not going to listen to what the government tells me and what scientists say. You know, I know better because I know myself. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Fuck you. Dig a hole, jump in it. We'll bury you in trash and set it on fire and throw tires on the top. (laughs) Yeah. What, what I think so interesting about this movie and I, and I, I literally called it realistic idiocracy when I watched it with my dad. Um, because it is, it's, it's got a, a sense of comedy that's that reminds me of idiocracy. Like you're laughing at the absurdity, the stupidity, right? But it's realistic and it's satire. Idiocracy was satire, but it was like really far satire. Like you, it was it was like ridiculous satire. This satire is like is so dead on. Oh, that. It's it was so. <laughs> it, it's so dead on. I didn't think I was watching a comedy. I know this is billed as a comedy, but I was like, "No, this is too real." I didn't laugh one time. I disagree. There were a few really good jokes. Like, oh uh, no, no, there were good jokes. I'm not saying that it wasn't funny. I'm saying that it was so real. I didn't laugh. But fair. no, it's I mean, funny as hell. Well, I was gonna say like one of the jokes that was intentionally written as a joke that I genuinely laughed at hard was um, Jennifer Lawrence's character sitting in a hotel room after being completely like just fucked off by the white house or the Oval office, I should say. Mm -hmm. And she's talking to her boyfriend who's a journalist and he has no fucking clue. Like at this point, there's three people in the world that know, right. Or at least that's the context that I took. I mean, the other scientists that they work with could have known, but it doesn't matter regardless moving forward. Um, and they're sitting in a hotel room. And she's talking to her journalist boyfriend, and he's all excited about her meeting his mom. <laughs> she's not, and she literally says, "Is there any way that like we can schedule this for seven months from now?" <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna. I, w- I want to schedule a dinner date with your mom in seven months. And he's yeah, like, what? "This is my mom. Why seven months? Why so long?" And I'm sitting there thinking, because in six and a half months, it's not going to fucking matter. 
Oh, so fucking funny. That oh, yeah, that yeah it's like... funny. But, yeah, I mean, it was just like, you know, when I turn on the news or when I look at Twitter or I look at Facebook and I see all the varying, conflicting viewpoints, uh, this this movie just holds a mirror up to it and says, take a good hard fucking look. Absolutely. Because this is how you're being. And it's depressing. It is. It is. I mean, I I love a good dark humor, right? I love a good. Satire. I do too. So I did genuinely laugh at it quite a bit, like towards the end when the comet's actually like in the app or not in the atmosphere, but it's above Earth, and one of the red hat guys looks up and goes, "The fuck is that? They fucking lied." <laughs> that yeah. that legit made me laugh. But it's accurate, like, like that's that's the fucking crazy. Like, you not laughing totally makes sense because every piece of comedy, every piece of satire in this, like we've said a, a couple times now, is literally just a mirror. And if that if that is upsetting and not funny, it's legitimately fucking valid. Yeah, like. Uh, it is well, like, like Mark Rylance. I want to give him a hundred percent fucking credit for his character because he channeled every fucking billionaire on the planet for his one character. Um, I don't know how he did it, but he was fucking Elon Musk. Uh, uh, what's his name? Amazon. Why am I drawing a blank? Bald, weird. Jeff fucking... Bezos. Jeff Bezos, thank you. I was going to say Lex Luthor, motherfucker. Um, Tim Cook. Fucking um, Windows. Oh, my God. Bill. Anyway, he channeled all the billionaires into one character. And I, f- I was like, you that you did an amazing job with that shit. Uh, Jonah Hill as... Every Trump kid rolled into one. Perfect. Absolutely perfect. Um, the other small thing I want to point out about, like, uh, President Orlean, played by uh, Meryl Streep, she was doing her best Trump impression, mm-hmm. but never once saying what side of the aisle her character, her her president was on. Or, um, uh, like, saying that they were conservative or anything to that fact. She just was playing an inept president. And what I appreciate about that is, and I'm going to make this as crystal clear as I can, it doesn't fucking matter who's president. This is the shit that's going to happen anyway. Yeah. Like, yes. Was it more of a parody on Trump than fucking, let's say, Biden or even Obama? Yes. But Obama and Biden are very pragmatic in in being capitalists. They're very pragmatic on making sure that they win over anything else. They're still politicians and will still fuck us over if it means that it's going to better line their pockets. Oh, absolutely. And that was the commentary this movie was trying to make. And and make no mistake, uh, you know, Greg and I both lean pretty far left. Yes. 
um, especially like socially progressively. Um, that doesn't mean that, you know, we're not like when Trump was in office, the supporters were like, oh, he's the greatest thing worshiping this dude. You know what? People say, let's go, Brandon. I just don't care. I say, fuck it. Fuck Joe Biden. I don't care. I don't like the guy. Like, like, say it with me. Say, <clears throat> fuck Joe Biden. It's not hard to do. You're not being clever. It just makes me think you're a fucking pedophile. <laughs> um, did I ever play the audio from that TikTok, by the way? You did. You did. Yeah. Oh, my God. <clears throat> but my favorite part at the end is that he just pauses. He goes, who the fuck is Brandon? Fuck him, too. Just for good measure. Yeah. God, fucking killed me. It's so funny. Um. Anyway. But, uh, but yeah, just that's this movie also touches on a lot of different commentary too, especially like social media and how people on social media will take something that's, that's meant for good and completely just bastardize it. Um, at the end of the movie, there is a, there's a literal campaign of don't look up or look up. Right. And you know, this falls into that, um, Kate and uh, Randall's life gets completely turned upside down the entire movie. From the moment that this begins, they are ignored uh, by 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 media, social media, uh, politicians, hell, other fucking scientists. They are completely ignored. Then it gets to the point where capitalism steps in the way, and. Uh, Mark Rylance's character, I have the IMDb up, and I'm trying to remember fucking character names. Peter Isherwell completely fucking derails a mission to redirect the comet. Yeah, because the the plan was to send up a fleet of shuttles um, with nukes with nukes to hit it with enough force to alter the trajectory from a far enough distance away that it would bypass the earth. And of course they had to have a hero. So that's where Ron Perlman's character comes in because they had to have one human pilot because everybody loves a hero. Right. And, uh, you know, the whole world's watching and everybody's cheering and everything. And then the shuttles all just turn the fuck around. And it's like, what, why are they turning around? What's going on? And it's discovered that this comet has the 10 most rarest precious metals that are in dwindling and rare supply uh, on Earth. There's an abundance and upwards of 140 trillion plus uh, in value. So they're like, well, we're just going to use these drones and use precise drilling and precise blasts and break it up into 10 smaller chunks or 30 smaller chunks. And as they're redirected and crash into the Pacific ocean, we'll harvest them and mine them. And it's going to create jobs, you know, and everybody's like, yeah, I'm for the jobs that the asteroid is going to create or the comet's going to create, you know? Yeah. It's just, oh my God. But that's that's exactly what, like, this is why I say uh, that 
it's not just a commentary on on very specific things. Like it, it's a commentary on everything that we do in society now. Like this to me is one hundred percent accurate. If one of these billionaires, if let's say Elon Musk was like, "Hey, the you know, there's something on that comet," you know, and and he's a big supporter of whoever's in office at the moment, this would fucking happen. It's it's not out of the realm of like logic. Like, thank you for making a satire, but also fuck you for making a satire so close to reality that it's terrifying. Yeah. Like, I think I yeah. with that I was like, I've never seen a comedy that gave me this much existential dread. <laughs> oh no, shit! <laughs> it's just like, well, this is how it would play out, and if some if some scientist came out and said, you know. There's an asteroid the size of, you know, I think Texas is what they said. No, that was you're thinking Armageddon. I might be, but yeah, it was ten this kilometers was, wide. It yeah, it was. Uh, they said anywhere between five and ten, and it turned out it was nine. That's right. Yeah, uh, nine kilometers wide, which is the size is basically the size of a large mountain, and I can't remember which one they used. But at the velocity that it would strike and impact Earth with, they showed what happened. They showed how quickly it happened. And here's the thing. Five and a half miles wide, by the way. I just did the math. Five, yeah, five and a half miles wide. Something that large. from Hurdling thousands of miles an hour and hitting us would destroy us. It's an extinction level event. And the science behind this is 100% fucking solid. Scientists have come out and said, yeah, this is exactly what would happen. And the craziest part, the craziest part about that, by the way, Maya is, and I think I said this to you in the text message, but uh, um, actual climate scientists have come out and said that watching this movie was depressing for them because they've literally experienced this. Whether yeah. it's the, the morning show, the politicians, the, the, the billionaires, they've experienced this. Oh, yeah, they've, absolutely. It's like they have PTSD because of it. This movie was giving them flashbacks and shit. Yep, yep. It's, it's, it's horrible. And mm. so, yeah. I'm, I mean, what happens? The earth gets fucking destroyed. Everybody gets killed. With the yeah, exception I, of, I did tell my dad. I said, if this movie ends with like Isherwell's fucking system to break apart the comet works, I'm gonna be disappointed. This movie needed to end with the Earth being destroyed. Like it just needed to. It 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 only made sense, you know, mm-hmm. narrative wise. Narrative wise, I should say. And you know, in the end. You you see DiCaprio's character and Lawrence's character sitting around the dinner table having a family dinner with the only people in the world that meant anything to them. Yeah. And they all went out together holding hands and having dinner together and a peaceful evening. Because for the last six months, their lives were completely turned upside down. Yeah, uh, uh, Kate was completely ignored and and made into a meme of somebody crazy. While meanwhile, you know, uh, 
Randall is treated as this fucking celebrity and he's essentially being paid to say what they want him to say. Yeah. Um, he completely fell into that, you know, uh, uh, the, the fame went to his head real fucking quick. Mm-hmm. And, uh, started you know, sleeping with the talk show host. Um, you know, because she found him interesting. Yeah. And it was, it was, it was too little too late by the time that he snapped out of it. So uh, the, to be fair, it's all too little too late. True. Well, and that's, here's the thing is that about halfway through the movie, when they, when they try to send uh, Ron Perlman's character um, into space to, 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 to combat it or to, to redirect it, that would have worked. Yeah. The science on that was sound. One of the big themes is that uh, Mark Rylance's character, um, Isherwell, you know, he's, he's constantly being asked by DiCaprio's character if all of the science has been um, uh, vetted vetted by other scientists. Like if, if, if it's gone, it's just been peer reviewed, peer reviewed. And he's like, I don't need to peer review it because my, my AI can do a better job than humans. And he's like, that's not how science works though. That's not how this is supposed to work. Like when, when they were going to send the nukes to redirect it, the science was sound because it went through those proper channels. And sure enough, you know, Mike, uh, uh, Isher Wells fucking shit did not work. Like that was the whole, you know, crux of that is he, in his infinite fucking, uh, ego got the earth destroyed. And to me has one of the funniest endings I've seen in a movie. Because as that part is coming up, like he makes this big thing about how he can predict someone's death, right? Yeah. He's like, we've uh, got so much data on you, the algorithm can predict your death. So, so president, so, yeah. yeah. This president goes like, how am I going to die? Don't tell me. Tell me. No, 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 don't tell me. You know, tell me. I want to know. And he's like, you're sure? And she's like, yeah. And he's like, uh, our algorithm said that you'll die by a Brock rock. And he's like, she's like, the fuck is a Brock? Okay, whatever. A Brontorac, kinda... yeah. Brontorac, sorry, I thought it was a Brontorac. Yeah, you'll, be killed, you'll be killed by a Brontorac. Uh, no, I don't know what that is, but that sounds exciting. <laughs> so when so when his, his little system malfunctions and they run off to a uh, uh, cryogenic pod to leave the Earth, um, it like the end of the movie flash forwards uh, 22,000 22,000 years. 22,700 plus years. Yeah. Uh, they go to a planet, which is one of the, uh, I think, golden planets or some that effect where it like, has the same distance from a sun. It has the same atmosphere as Earth. Like it's it's in that golden spot. Yeah. Um, he's checking. He's like, oh, we actually have more oxygen than on Earth. This is great. You might feel a little lightheaded. And then she sees like a creature and it fucking absolutely destroys her. Yeah, she goes to try to pet it. Yeah. <laughs> it and it her just shreds her. And he's like, oh, Brontorock. <laughs> yeah. That was fucking hilarious. Uh, by the way, um, before we move on to final thoughts and a grade, uh, did you stay for the after credits of this? Mm hmm. Yeah. I was, I was, I did. Funny. I did. Jonah Hill was in an interview talking about his character and he said that all he ever did 
in lieu of uh like preparing for this role wasn't even looking at like let's say the trump kids it was just you know um trust fund kids is who he looked at and how they act yeah and credit to everybody in this movie did such a stellar job like ariana grande and kid cootie well fucking done for playing that celebrity role that irritates the shit out of me oh the celebrity worship that our culture has Uh uh-huh like those two played exactly who they needed and like oh and and kudos for fucking casting those two but like oh dude everybody did such a fucking stellar job in this like it even makes fun of how the media portrays certain things um you know philip's character or or the, the 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 journalist that was dating jennifer lawrence's character and how his like making the headline sound more grandiose mm-hmm. you know to drive clicks or to sell newspapers one of the two. Oh yeah yeah after after uh she fucking goes on tv and freaks out and says there's a comet heading for the earth and we're all gonna fucking die and he makes that fucking articles like know the crazy lady that says we're all gonna die well it turns out i slept with her <laughs> yeah um also again before we move on to final thoughts um a big big thank you to michael chiklis for channeling your best alex jones yeah no shit like unbelievably accurate so anyway why don't you go ahead and go first and then i'll, I'll uh, the only thing his character lacked was you know trying to sell boner pills made from rhino horn he had um, limited screen time so you know yeah do with what you can uh this movie gets an a uh it is fucking scarily accurate to how our society is. Um, it's well casted, well acted, and it's terrifying. It's it's more of a documentary than a comedy. You know, I wouldn't say mockumentary. Um, but yeah, this this movie left me with a feeling of great unease throughout the entire film. Uh, but it's absolutely absolutely one you should watch. Um, and if it makes you uneasy, I think that says good things about you. Um, if you watch it and laugh and think, oh, well, you know, that would never happen. You're in denial. <laughs> But yeah, uh, it's really, really good. There really are some solid, funny fucking jokes in this movie. Uh, especially the post credit scene. Hey, what's up? It's the last man on earth. Just yeah. uh, want to say like, subscribe, give me a follow. Love you guys. And, you know, knowing he's the only person on earth who doesn't have internet, I'm sure. Yeah. You know. I was like, who the but, fuck are you recording that for? But it was made as a joke anyway, so who cares? Yeah. That whole, like, a- after the asteroid hits essentially just became, like, a silly joke. But uh, A-plus for me. Um, I mirror everything you say, like, hey, did this movie make you feel uneasy? Did this fill you with this ex- existential dread? Great, we can be friends. Um, it's it's designed to. It's It's designed to kind of, like, 
make you feel uncomfortable. Straight up. It's designed to make you not like what's going on in the world today. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know how else to say that. Like, if you're concerned about climate change and you know that we have to act now, I mean, we technically had to act years ago, but whatever. Um, cause there's irreversible damage that's being, that's done straight up. There's no other way to put that irreversible damage has been done to the earth by humans. And all we can do now is try to course correct and mitigate the damage. There you go. Thank you. Yeah. Damage control is as best I can put it. And does the, is this movie a, an extreme to that scenario? 100%. Oh, absolutely. But that's also the point. Sometimes society, extremes our society, well, our society goes to extremes every in every scenario anyway. Right. Exactly. And this and this movie does an excellent job of portraying that. So um yeah, uh it's also like I said, I found quite a bit of it funny. Like one of the jokes that I thought was so funny was Kate's character could not let go that a three star general was charging them for free snacks. Yeah. Charged them ten dollars a piece for a bottle of water and a bag of Cheez Its. Fucking like hilarious. Absolutely fucking funny. Um there's a few things here and there like that that are really genuinely funny. But yeah, I can't recommend it enough. It's 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 incredible. So uh but yeah. So let's go ahead and move on to uh something a little less heavy, I suppose. Uh, the uh, chapter two of the book of Boba Fett, which I felt like a solid eighty percent of it was in the past. Uh, quite a bit, quite a bit. Felt like it anyway. Yeah, it was. It was split up into two halves. You had present day and then flashback. Uh, and it didn't like. There was no bouncing back and forth. You straight up got this is what's happening now. And then when he goes into his back to chamber to fucking heal, uh, you know, he starts remembering having a dream, what have you, of what happened to his time with the Tuscans. And I, I, I love this episode. Well, I mean, there was there was quite a bit that like it, it built more into the a few things that we really hadn't got in the past. So. We've, we've known for a long time, thanks to Clone Wars and a few other animated things, I think uh, Rebels, that the Huts essentially are a crime syndicate around Tatooine and other planets. I don't remember what other planets they kind of have a stranglehold on, but definitely Tatooine. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we know that the Huts want Boba dead. But they also know that this is, you know, bad for business. Um, so there was a little bit of that, you know, there was there was that whole tense scene. And we got to see like a, a Wookiee warrior, which he looked recognizable, but I don't like I swear he was in fucking Clone Wars, but I could be wrong. I don't even know if Kashyyyk is still standing right now. Should be, right? By the time this show this show takes place, yeah, <clears throat> I mean, Kashyyyk wasn't destroyed. No, but it might have been like occupied by the Empire and 
don't know. That's my thought process. But like I said, I could be wrong. Um, but yeah, the the majority of this episode does an excellent job at um, allowing us to finally sympathize with an entire race outside of Anakin just destroying a whole village of them. If you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. Okay, that Wookiee, he's not named uh, in the episode, but he's Black uh, Chrysanthemum. He's been in the comics since 2015. Okay. He just looked very recognizable. Like I had seen him before. Because I went, I went, no way. And my dad was like, who is that? And I was like, I don't know, but he looks familiar. Uh, but yeah. Um, so yeah, it's a lot of, it's a lot of uh, uh, Boba Fett. Uh, surviving essentially via the Tuscan Raiders. I mean, you have to keep in mind, he just survived the Sarlacc pit. He has all these scars on his body. Um, he, uh, he doesn't have his armor. The Jawas took it. Um, and he, uh, instead of trying to escape the Tuscan Raiders, he stays with them. He learns their ways. We even get to see a, a, a whole like uh, vision trip situation at one point in this and it's fascinating you know like it puts this context like because the the star wars movies make the tuscan raiders just look like fucking barbarians yeah and they're not they're a little bit more civilized than i think any of the films or other tv shows have really given them credit for uh, seriously, the most you got to see from Tuscans before in other forms of Star Wars media, showing their like tribal um, ancestry and things like that, was in Knights of the Old Republic. Yeah, yeah. Whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, also, <laughs> there was a really, really deep cut in this episode. Um, when you see that Boba's training with the Tuscan warriors and you see they're trying to stop this train for some reason. Uh, you, uh, and he's like, look, I can stop the train. Let me go out, give me a stick, give me a rifle, let me go out, I'll be back by morning. I can stop the train. And he goes to a cantina where there's a swoop gang that are outside and they're harassing the patrons. <laughs> Those two characters, the human characters that were being harassed in there are from are characters from a new hope from a deleted scene where Luke actually goes to Tashi station to meet with Biggs. That's Luke and Biggs's friends, Cammy and Fixer. Oh, wow. Yes. Wow. That is a deep cut. A very deep cut. <laughs> How did you figure that out? I'll send you the link. It's on CNET.com, actually. I was looking at an article looking at some of the Easter Easter eggs. 
Um, I'm seeing if they're credited as such because uh, that 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 would be that's wild. I didn't catch the names in the credits. I didn't think anything of it, but now I'll have to look. Can I ask you a question, by the way? Yeah, Cami and Fixer, right there. They're credited as such. Unreal. Wow. Uh, why are Twi'leks always hot? Always. You know uh, for me? Well, this one's played by Jennifer Beals. Um, it doesn't, I mean, that, that doesn't necessarily answer my question, but... I don't know, <laughs> but they are every fucking time. I'm like, mm, all right, <laughs> every one of them. Uh, anyway, uh, I had to Google the word Twi'lek, and it's immediately just images of hot Twi'leks. I don't, I don't understand. <clears throat> but uh, so. I've really liked the train heist. That was yeah, awesome. it was fun. That was a lot of fun. Like you know, he comes back with these these speeder bikes, these swoop bikes from fucking um, after the taking game. care of that the biker gang who had that weird like tusk logo. Mm-hmm. Um, which I was we were trying to figure out last week why we even needed to see that but that it, it now tracks to this episode yeah yeah and uh you know it shows him he's like I, this is my gift to you i'm gonna teach you to ride these and then we're gonna stop the train you know all that- to both for trying to um communicate to an entire race of people who don't speak the same language yeah like that's a difficult fucking task on its on its own. I really enjoy the character development we are getting with Boba Fett. Yeah, you know, before the episodes that he appeared in in The Mandalorian and before this series, Boba Fett was just a cool looking nobody who got eaten. They're making him into a character that you can really get behind and latch onto and become a fan favorite outside of just looking badass. You know, yeah, he's, yeah. he's, he's there's, becoming worthy of that. Yeah. He is becoming, he's becoming worthy of the uh, praise that he has only received for the past 40 fucking years. He's just now becoming worthy of it in his actions in this series. Uh, it's very cool. Yeah, I, I wholeheartedly agree. I, I um, um, One of my biggest problems with Star Wars, and, and Star Wars fans for that matter, is the absolute defending of something that doesn't need defending. Right. Or the the trying to fix something that doesn't need to be fixed. Um, and something that I really appreciate, like what they're doing right now with these characters 
that Mandalorian has done that now Boba Fett is doing um, is kind of just like Boba Fett isn't a god. He isn't super fucking skilled. Um, I think, like I say all the time, in Empire Strikes Back, he just happened to be the only bounty hunter who thought to think of the trash. That's mm -hmm. it. That's all he did. Did he have a reputation as the most feared bounty hunter in, in the galaxy? That's up for debate. Just because a couple characters might have said it or in, hinted towards it doesn't necessarily mean much. Yes, he had a reputation, but like, what did Han Solo do the second that he spotted him? Fired his fucking blaster at him. Granted, Darth Vader was standing right there too, but that's besides the point. Well, um, he was actually firing at Vader. Whatever. As I said, that's besides the point. <laughs> uh, my point is, is that I, I, I've liked the Boba Fett character. I haven't disliked the Boba Fett character. I just never understood the fucking, the hype behind him. Yeah. And then, and then when I would say that, people are like, "Well, the books." I'm like, "Well, the fuck, shut up." So, but yeah, he's he's what what I what, but that's what I appreciate is that these flashbacks aren't just making him a badass; they're making him grounded. They're making you understand. Not that he's just immediately skilled. That the the best thing that Boba Fett has is his uh, innate ability to survive. Yeah. His ability to adapt and to... Um, I like how he is... Interacting with the Tuscans, his his ability to respect, give respect, yeah, uh, and just I'm, I'm really liking it. It's very um, what's the word I'm looking for? It reminds me of like old school Kung Fu movies in the respect where you have an outsider come into another culture and learn the ways of that culture and become accepted yeah. by that culture. You know, it's, yeah. it's very much this, uh, in that regard crossed um, with a Western. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Crossed with a gangster movie. Um, yeah, I completely agree. Like, uh, one of the, one of the core things about this show that's that's so much fun to watch is uh and and kudos to I can't remember the actor's name who plays Boba Fett. Um Tamora Morrison. Tamora Morrison. Like you aren't playing just a stoic badass. There's this sense of like of Boba Fett still kind of feeling like I don't know what to do without my dad. <laughs> kind of attitude you know and um i don't know like he's just doing such a fucking stellar job at at all of that so i i don't know I, I i don't know what i'm trying to say here i just i really appreciate his portrayal i really appreciate how they're taking the character 
uh, making him badass, but also like, I guess I would say it in this regard. It kind of reminds me of watching an action hero character who takes damage and says, ow. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. They're they're definitely definitely portraying him as uh, a more sympathetic character than you ever would have thought. Yeah, <clears throat> like I don't like like I like I said I like that he's just not a badass. He's just he's he can take damage. He can be hurt. He can be hurt for a long time. A uh, bunch of things like that. Like it just it's awesome. I love that. I love well, I like how we're seeing. I like how we're seeing even five, almost six years now after his escape from the Sarlacc, he still has injuries that were so severe from the digestive acids in the, in the stomach of the Sarlacc that he still has to undergo regular back to treatments. Yeah. Yeah. Um, regular, like daily almost. And I like how that's how they separate, by the way, the, the present versus the past mm -hmm. the back to tank is that's how they split it. Yeah. That's, that's fucking clever. Like well done, John Favreau. Um, but yeah, also I want to say this, like with how good Mandalorian and now Boba Fett is this like, Hey, Kathleen Kennedy, you have your fucking team. <laughs> you have your star Wars team. Let's keep this star Wars team. Like, like, uh, John Favreau, Robert Rodriguez, uh, fucking, um, oh, what's his name? Dave Filoni. Dave Filoni, <clears throat> like, you got your team. They understand what makes Star Wars fun and great. Don't get me wrong, I don't hate the movies. As a matter of fact, uh, Last Jedi is one of my favorites. Mm -hmm. I just, Rise of Skywalker is good. Um, I know you don't agree with me on that, but it has a lot. I mean, of I th oh, it does. I still loved it. I, I, yeah, I don't know. That's a that's a different topic, but um, I'll say this much: like, start also kind of going outside the box when it comes to things to do within Star Wars. Like, have you watched Star Wars Visions yet? I have not. It's fun. It's just fun. Yes, is it none of it canon and some of it not make any sense in regards to Star Wars lore? Yes. Is it is it just a series of fun anime style or anime uh I guess anime style shorts? Yeah. So, but I love that shit. Like keep doing that. But anyway. Um Let's go to final thoughts on a grade, and then we can get out of here. Uh, as I'm seeing the timer on the live. Um, yeah, we've been going an hour. I've got therapy in 90 minutes. Yeah, so 85 minutes. Hmm. Uh, so yeah, I'm gonna give it this episode a solid B plus. I think that uh, that the the Tuscan Raider stuff was really good, but also like it felt like an hour. <laughs> this episode felt like an hour, and I think that. Well, if it I'm, was an hour too. So that's my point. Is last week did not feel as long as this week did. Like, it didn't drag, but it also didn't. It didn't seem to move at an, at a, at a at a pace that 
made me go like, oh man, an hour passed? Damn. Like I it felt like an hour had passed, you know. Which is like watching other things, you can kind of get lost within it, and then you're like, oh my god, time passed, and I didn't even pay attention. So um, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But uh but yeah, I'm I'm glad that they've made this this idolized character grounded. I'm glad that um we have some I don't want to say humanizing context to the the Tuscan Raiders, but we get them a little bit more now. Like all oh, that's great, so no complaints on this side other than it felt like it was just a a longer episode than it actually was. So, okay. Yeah. So B plus. Uh, I, I I give this episode an A. Um, I'm really enjoying the whole. I'm the new Damio. You pay your, your tribute and respect to me, and how others are like. No, that's not what's going to happen. And you know there's going to be the inevitable showdown or what have you. The build-up for that is cool. And I love seeing the backstory of what happened, you know, what's happened in his life. What has he endured? How did he become, how did he come to live with the Tuscans and become one of, accepted as one of them? Uh, You know, how did he make his way to, present day I'm really enjoying all of it uh, shot well a uh, lot of fun couple of deep fucking cuts in this episode holy shit do you ever think you'd see Cammy and Fixer on screen uh, no I mean I've seen that deleted scene multiple times uh, you know and yeah, that was just cool that was just yeah. cool I'm really, really digging it, and I want to see more. You know, it gives me high hopes for the Obi-Wan series. Uh, Because right now... And the Ahsoka show. And the Ahsoka show, yeah. Right now, you know, they're nailing it with with their live-action shows. Mm -hmm. So, Like I said, you know, she's got her team. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm I'm a fan of what, what they're doing. Yeah. And I want more. I think that this show is definitely gonna do something different than Mandalorian, where like every episode of Mandalorian felt like a solo episode that just kind of moved the plot a little bit, but this show is one hundred percent plot. And I feel like after the show is over, like everything's gonna come full circle and it's gonna be great. It's just gonna take time to get there. It's gonna take seven episodes exactly. Um but yeah, so uh, so that's gonna do it for us this week, guys. Uh, you got two things you 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 gotta go watch. Don't look up. You have to go watch. Don't look up. That movie's outstanding. And if you're not watching Boba Fett, what are you doing listening to this podcast? Like <laughs> we're big Star Wars fans over here. Um, but yeah, next week, guys, we're gonna be talking about uh, chapter three of the book of Boba Fett. We don't have anything else lined up. Uh, we might just have it be an uninhibited after we talk about Boba Fett, which is totally possible, but. If we do add something, they'll be we'll we'll mention it on the social medias, which are listed down below. Um, or at least we'll try to remember to do that. We're both not great about getting that done. Um, 
But also, I'm especially not great at it. <laughs> I just have to remember to do it. I, I get, I get like, I'm like, ooh, let's watch this thing, and then I just never let people know. Um, but yeah, uh, but yeah. So, so follow all the socials. Like I said, listen down below. That's where you can contact us as well. Uh, check out the Teespring store. We have a new uh, shirt design um, and whatever else they sell there. Um, and if you buy, you're gonna actually have to look at it one day yeah that's my problem um but uh well i said shirt design because i couldn't remember if that design goes on any other types of clothing i know they sell (laughs) t-shirts but yeah uh if you guys buy something from there uh let us know we'll give you a quick shout out uh send us a picture we'll post it on our social medias our instagram and twitter and whatnot if you want us to that's up to you but uh but yeah um or just let us know. So thanks. We really appreciate the the thought that goes behind it, you know, buying something with our faces on it. Um, also, go to the YouTube channel. Uh, give it a quick follow and a like. Um, if you listen to this on a different podcasting platform, which there's a lot. So uh, it just helps. We're us out. on a lot of them. <laughs> yeah, no shit. Um, but yeah, it just helps us out, helps us, you know, us grow and whatnot. So that's why we mention it every week. Um, other than that, my where can folks find you? You can find me online uh, on Facebook under my name, Maya Don Fisher. It's a public profile. So if you want to shoot me a message, discuss things that we talk about on here, you're more than welcome to do so. Just don't be a creep. Uh, don't be creepy. I've had that happen. It's weird. Um, if you want to follow me on Instagram or Twitter, those are linked to my Facebook profile. You can click and follow from there. Uh, other shows you can catch me on. You can catch me on the Realm of Collectors YouTube channel on every other Wednesday on a show called Figure Banging. It's a live action figure review show, primarily looking at Transformers um, as we go through everything that entails the figure transformation accessories. Uh, articulation, uh, thoughts on it and all that, and make jokes and interact with the chat. It's a fun time. Uh, Alternating Wednesdays, I can sometimes be found on Shelf Gravy, which is a do-it-yourself, build uh, your own diorama or customize an action figure or paint uh, various projects and, you know, give advice on techniques and uh, interact with the chat there. It's a fun nerdy time. So check that out. And that's at 9 p.m. on alternating Wednesdays, shelf gravy. And that's me. It's everywhere I'm at. What about you, Greg? You can follow me under all socials under Chub Rock Geek. Um, you can also follow me uh, through the Mission Start podcast, which I do with Anthony on occasion, uh, like every three months or so, where we talk about video game stuff. There's a new episode out about the video game awards, if that interests you. But that's Mission Start Podcast or Mission Start Tubes on the YouTube channel. Um, we also have other content between him and I that we don't do together, but whatever. It's all video game based. So if that's that if, if that interests you, check that out. Um, but yeah, that's it. That's all we can find me. Uh, also, go follow my Twitch, uh, twitch.tv slash Uh We tried to do a New Year's Eve stream. It's fun, but... <laughs> Nobody showed up, and I get why. It's New Year's Eve. Like, why are you coming to a Twitch channel on New Year's Eve? But 
I didn't even think about that when I scheduled it either. I was just like, this will be fun. <laughs> Not realizing that no one's going to show up, but thank you for, thank you to Sean and Sheena for showing up though. Even if it was no, just two hours. We had fun. Yeah, we had a good time. Um, but yeah, follow the Twitch channel because uh, when, when we do go live with more Jackbox in the future, that's where you'll be able to play along and hang out. Um, and it's free to you. You just, you know, go onto any browser, grab your, you know, play along with us. Watch on Twitch, play along on whatever browser you got. It's fun. It's a good time. But uh, yeah, that's it. Um, again, uh, chapter, chapter three of Book of Boba Fett. And if we add anything else, you know, we'll let you know on the social medias. Uh, but thank you so much for listening, everybody. We really appreciate you. And we'll see you next week. Take care, everybody. <laughs>